Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Your welcome is brought to you free today by our friends at Bet Online. Get ready, folks. WrestleMania 36 is coming your way this weekend. Be sure to stay tuned later in the show because I'm going to be chatting with Dave Mason on all the different betting angles. You can get in the mix at betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts and the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. What's up, Chael? Am I here? Do you see me? I got to tell you, I've never used Zoom before. All of a sudden, I'm sitting here minding my own business. All of a sudden, your pretty face popped up, and I realized we're doing something. I'm telling you, this is the thing of the future. It's a beautiful program. We just started using Zoom because of this, you know, this whole fiasco that's going on with the world. What I got to say, I'm not going back. It's a tremendous program. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I learned about Zoom about four days ago from about five different friends on the same day. So I went to see if it was a public company. I go, man, I'm getting in on this thing if the, it's taking over the world. Bisping, it has shot up like 500% even in these crazy times. I feel like I'm too late. It's like $150 a share right now. You could have got it three weeks ago for 38 bucks. No way. Wow. Yes. Sorry, Louis. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I, I think we're probably breaking it on this show. We should all be looking at Zoom. They are the ones who gain the most from this entire thing. Yes. And for good reason. I go, well, what's the difference in Zoom and Skype? And then I found out the difference. Like Skype's a great product, but Zoom automatically records it. So we have all of this content, saves you a step. I love it. I love it. I wish I would have known about it a month ago. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the advertisement for today's episode where we're We've all got shares in Zoom by the looks of it. Uh, Chael, obviously, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, Lewis, where do you think we should start? I mean, for, all right, let's do this. Chael, you're a smart guy, right? You have your finger on the pulse, right? You, you are a smart guy. What do you make? And, you know, obviously, everyone's struggling for content right now. And we've sworn to our listeners, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about the coronavirus every time. But I am very intrigued, so I'm going to break that rule. What do you make of all this, uh, Chael? What are your honest thoughts? Yeah, I mean, let's start at the very beginning. Jeez, first off, you have an enemy that doesn't show his face. I mean, Bisping, what a cowardly thing, right? But at the same <laughs> time, we have to respect it. You know, you can't just turn your head. If, if you're one of these people that goes, well, you know, the news is doing this for an opportunity and politicians, and this is turning political, you could be right. But if you draw the conclusion that because that is happening, therefore, there's nothing to see here. No, man, there's something going on. It's going to take a little bit of time for us to all figure that out. It's going to take a little bit of time to realize how much fear did we really have to have versus how much, you know, precaution did we have to have. Michael, some of the numbers are very tough. I took the hardest class I ever took in college was statistics. And the class wasn't just about how to form statistics. That was half, but the other half of the class was how to analyze statistics and realize where the pitfalls are. And I will tell you, when I turn on the news right now and I see 100,000 cases in the U.S., the U.S. leading the world in coronavirus. Just in the last month, 100,000 came out. We didn't even have any cases two months ago. Why is nobody asking the follow-up question of, guys, how many people were tested two months ago? Try zero. So now you're telling us we have 100. We went from zero to 100,000. Okay, well, let me ask you this. How many did you test? Because it sounds like what the U.S. and the rest of the world are now doing a very good job of is testing people. So as you're acting as though this thing is spread and it's spread rapidly, there is another side to the story, which is people are going out and getting tested more. Michael, I do feel like if I grabbed 200 people at random, no symptoms, no, just a 200 at random, and I tested them all, I'm likely to come up with about 70% of them are going to have it. And I, I do feel that the news is doing a very poor job of not telling us the ratio of how many are tested and testing positive versus the number that's going up. It's very relevant that we find out how many people are having this 
that are not having any symptoms with it, that aren't having any problems. It does. I keep seeing people compare this to the flu. And most doctors, nine out of 10 are saying, it's a good comparison. It goes viral like the flu, but it's weaker than the flu. The flu is actually stronger. You'll get one out of 10 to say, look, we can't, we shouldn't make that promise to the public yet. We need a little bit more time, but nine out of 10, if we're going on the evidence that we have right now, and it's all the evidence that we have are saying that the uh, flu is stronger and it became the new normal. At some point, the flu was scary, but it became the new normal. You start to kind of understand how to have it. And you also understand if I'm unfortunate and I get it, I also know how to push through it. Right? I understand the rest. And I understand a little of mom's chicken noodle soup. I get it, but it's part of life. I don't know where we're at. I don't want to offer an opinion to influence people because it is very new. We are dealing with something. But Michael, to make believe that the world has to come to a stop because of some wimpy epidemic that won't even show its face, man, I'm personally not on board. Jail, jail. I've got to say that, but that's how we stop the spread. I mean, I am not an expert on this and, and I, I take whatever politicians and CNN and all these news outlets say with a pinch of salt for obvious reason, because everybody has an agenda, certainly the news outlets. I'm following the advice that I hear from a lot of doctor friends, right? And the doctors that I speak with, they're skilled in this area, right? They are medical professionals that their knowledge far exceeds what I have. And they are concerned. They're concerned for the systematic failure that this will present and that people that need everyday help at the hospital that are sick with cancer, car crashes, diabetes, whatever, and then the system collapses. That's their real concern. So that's why we've got to stay inside and not uh, socialize. We've got a social, what was it? Uh, uh, Distancing. Distancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my my fear. Yeah, hey, and I think we should listen to that too because that's the best we've been given. And three steps, right? Social distancing, wash your hands, don't touch your face. I will tell you this. I'm following it too. My mother's following it too. My, my family, we're following it too out here in Oregon. I will tell you this though, if you're a betting man, okay, it would be a remarkable long shot on day number one, day number one that this was discovered, which represents 39 days ago. They come out and told us social distancing, wash your hands, don't touch your face. That makes sense to me. I'm not one of these experts, but that does make sense what you just said. But Michael, it will be a remarkable coincidence if when this whole thing's done, we look back and we realize they had the right answer on day one. And I'll put this in perspective for you. 39 days ago when this came out, it was called the Wu-Tang virus. People said, no, that's wrong. Let's call it the coronavirus. People said, no, that's wrong. Let's call it the novel coronavirus. And now we've all settled in as a world on COVID-19. So you're telling me from 39 days ago, we couldn't even agree on the name. We've changed the name four times, but coincidentally, we had the right answer on how to prevent it. Not saying they're wrong. I'm following it myself, and I think that's responsible. But you will have to admit to me, that would be one stunning coincidence to get something right when you couldn't even agree on the name. I've got nothing to say on that because we don't want to go round and round and round in circles talking about this because maybe, you know... Uh, over a non-alcoholic drink next time I see you, we can debate this. But I'm going to bring Luis J. Gomez into the equation here because he's sitting there. He's itching. He wants to say something. He's probably looking at your beautiful studio, by the way, Chael. You're giving me a lot of ideas Thank for you. mine. I'm going to steal that idea because I do like the wood paneling. But Luis, the floor is yours. I think you should take everything. You should say bad guy ink, applause. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chael, I-, I agree with you on a lot of this. And I think that there was a more of a responsible way for the media to report, you know, when you're saying like, yeah, if 70% of us have it, instead of going like, oh my God, dreaded, it should almost be like, all right, guys, we'll relax. You know, there's a way to step back. And, and so I agree with you, but we don't want to beat a dead horse. Let's kind of shift it over to the world of MMA and how this is affecting the world of MMA. It's put a pause on everything. How do you think that mixed martial arts as a whole should move on? Because we even, this, let's say this lasts for another six months to a year. We need to move on. We need to see fights. People need to make money regardless, and they can't last forever. Yeah, and there's even a bigger message in that. I mean, don't forget, if you're talking about MMA, and we're talking UFC specifically, then you're talking about Dana White specifically. If you're talking about Dana White, you are talking about one of the great leaders of this country. And so this isn't just about letting a sport go on and letting two guys punch and kick under the unified rules. You're talking about other business leaders who for the last 20 years have looked to Dana White for direction on many other things. So to your point, and we all have to agree, there's got to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And for anybody to think that you're being insensitive to this faceless, dangerous thing that's going on, that's not true. But if you want people to have any kind of inspiration, if you want people to listen in any kind of way, you have to give them something to look forward to. At some point, we have to set a drop dead date to go, look, whether this is the new normal or not, we're living our life and we're not living it 
in fear. We're just, that's just not what we do. So as far as MMA in it going forward, look, I do think that everything has been followed. And particularly when you talk about the sport of MMA and you want to talk about safety of people, there is no sport out there, guys, that has more regulation. It doesn't matter if you're talking baseball, basketball, football, hockey. Nobody is overseen by the government except for MMA. Every medical test that you could reasonably think of. I don't care if you're talking about eyes, if you're talking neurological, if you're talking CAT scan, MRI, it takes three and four days just to get your medical paperwork together. And then when you're all, you've got blood tests, hepatitis, A, B, C, antibodies, antigens, HIV. I mean, it's a very inclusive test. Once all of this is said and done, you will then get a skin check. And then for goodness sakes, you have to get on a scale. Nobody in the world has to weigh in before they're allowed to go do their job. Could you imagine the lawsuit? If any other boss in the world made you show the world what you weigh before you're going to go to work, the only thing I'm trying to offer for you (laughs) is this sport is regulated and it is checked out to every reasonable level. And then even a little bit beyond by some Mm. of the great minds in combat, Mike Mazzulli, Kim Sumbler, Mark Ratner, Andy Foster, Larry Hazard, some of the most respected minds in the history of sport, get together and come up with the rules. All the rest of us follow them. Listen up, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's and your renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, see how much you can save. That's GEICO.com. GEICO.com. So, so everything you just said there, I completely agree with. And also, once they've gone through all those, you know, they've jumped over all those hurdles, the blood test, the eye test, everything you named. Then the day before the weigh-in, when you get on the scale, you then get checked by a doctor again, just to double down on all those things to make sure that since you had those tests, nothing has changed. So as we know, it is very safe and fighter safety is paramount. Now, and Mike, Mike can, I, can I throw one thing in just for Lewis? You and I know this because we live this. You, Lewis, you might think this is interesting. So after you have a stack of paperwork that takes you days of appointments from multiple different expert doctors, you will then be asked a very simple question in the back. And this is the the test that Michael's talking about. You will be asked a very simple question. Your answer to this question is under the penalty of perjury. That you will be asked, do you have anything that we have not asked you? Is there anything that you have to disclose to us that we haven't asked? If you lie about that, they could put you in handcuffs. That's how regulated this sport is. Well, we, we, we might just want to edit that bit out of the podcast. Because <laughs> I was lying my ass off for years. But, uh, but, but, but anyway, Statue just going back to Statue of limitations, you. champ. Statue yeah. of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. Uh, but anyway, but just going back to what you said, of course, uh, you know, Dana White is a great leader. He really is. And you can love him, you can hate him, but you can't deny what he did with the UFC. And how he continues to get past these boundaries. Now, the boundaries I'm talking about, of course, right now, is that events can't take place. We had one in Brazil with no crowd. But I saw you and Dana speaking this week on an Instagram Live. My my apologies, I didn't stay on for very long. I listened for a couple of minutes. But you had your Submission Underground event yesterday, last night. So even though that isn't, you know, I'm sure it's growing all the time, and I recommend people check it out, some of the best grapplers in the world competing on there. But you still have the same regulatory uh, hurdles to get by. So how were you able to put on that event last night? Would you mind explaining a little bit of that, Chael? Yeah, sure. And you know what? It was, it was, Michael, all of the rules changed and they changed so many times. So when this very first thing came down, we're on the books, we're all set, we're moving forward. Okay, great. But this is three months ago. We, we've we known about this. We've been on the calendar at UFC Fight Pass by examples and we're lying in a car, but we got plenty of time. You know, we're having some fun. We're putting the pieces of the puzzle together. All of a sudden, this news breaks. And so uh, in the North, state after state after state, and we're out here in the Northwest, started saying, okay, no more than 250 people in a room at a time. Okay, great. Let's stop ticket sales. Let's cut it off right there between uh, ticket sales, athletes, essential personnel. We were at 244. So we came in right under the, just don't sell any more tickets. Then they come in and they, 50 people in a room. Okay. We're going to have to refund all the tickets. We can't pick who comes. We, we have no audience. Then they drop it to 10 people. Then they drop it to eight people. So all I'm sharing with you is as this thing starts to get cannibalized, we still had to guess what's going to be next. If we're at eight right now, we're going to have to just figure we're going to be at four 
in three days by the time this thing all comes together. So we started calling different cities, different municipalities, just on the phone. Just go, look, here's who we are and here's what we're going to do. Now, everybody told us the same thing, which was, hey, this is not a city ordinance. We follow the state. Here's the state's guidelines. We would suggest for you, suspect this is going to change. Great. Call another city. We finally get a gal on the phone and she goes, I actually know who you are. My son does jujitsu. I've come to your event. My son's a purple belt. I've come to your events. Same thing though. We don't set the rules. The state does. Here's what the state says. Okay. But we want to come to your city and we would like somebody to tell us it's okay. And she goes, well, here's what the rules. If you can find a way to get, how many guys are going to be in your card? In our case, 20 in total for 10 matches. She goes, if you can find a way to get them all separated. So, Mike, we had to have rooms for everybody. We had tents set up, motorhomes, cars out. I mean, everybody had to stay separate. Then our cameras. We usually have about a 10-man camera team. We came in, we brought in extra cameras and set them all over the place and operated them remotely from a trailer 80 feet away outside of the building. Then I, the commentator, am yet in another location. So we had four people on the floor, referee, two athletes, doctor. So we were allowed eight we have figured by the time it went, we'd be allowed. Turned out we were still allowed eight, but we did it with four people. As soon as you were done competing, you've got to leave. Ring cleaned from top to bottom. I'm talking about the top. Right. I'm talking about the post, the everything between every single match. And that's how we pulled it off. With currently no basketball, no football, no baseball. Guys, you might think there's nothing to bet on. And guess what? You would be wrong. Because this week alone, WrestleMania is going to take place. The stage is set April 4th and April 5th. Yes, two days. Guys, our exclusive partner, Bet Online, has all the WrestleMania 36 action, including the long awaited match of Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. Bet Online is taking odds. You can bet on wrestling. What a bright spot in a little bit of a changing world. Guys, McIntyre is riding a high off his win at the Royal Rumble, and he's ready to show Lesnar there's a new king in town. Oh, yeah, sure he is. Lesnar is ready to show the world that he isn't intimidated. Of course he's not. By this psychopath, Lesnar versus McIntyre, it doesn't get any better. Go to Bet Online for all your WrestleMania 36 action every match. All weekend long. Yes, again, it is two days. You heard me correctly. It is Saturday and Sunday. Guys, visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's actually because of me. You guys can thank me for that bonus. Bet online. Your online WrestleMania 36 wagering solution. And and with that in mind, how do you think the UFC could implement that? Because obviously it's a larger production um, and there's more involved, more, I mean, there's more regulation involved with mixed martial arts. Is there any, you know, sort of version of that that you see the UFC being able to use to get events off? Let's say it does continue to go down this path that it doesn't get better. Well, guys, I got to give the three of us a little bit of credit right now. I mean, in all fairness, we're switching angles. We're doing a great job. We got great audio that world's enjoying. I don't know where you guys, you guys are so far away from me. I don't even know where you are. I think we're all in three different states. I can assure we're all we in are. three different locations. The only reason I bring that up is, yes, you could implement some of that. It's not as though Chael figured out the world here. But if you do want to talk about doing things remotely, setting cameras up, running them from a, a separate location on remote control, Dana White does have a level of production. He has an integrity with the way he presents his sport to the world. So he's not going to strip it down totally, but he could strip it down a little. Michael Bisping and I did both were on sets of The Ultimate Fighter. That would be a stripped-down version. The Contender series that Dana does, by example, that would be a little bit of a lower production. So I do think that there's ways to do it. I also know that there is something when you're bringing a world title fight that he wants to do it with as much gusto as you can. So there's going to be a balance there. So I want to ask you about this, Chad, because I know my thoughts. As you know, mixed martial arts media... They like to criticize the UFC. You know, they're the biggest show in town. They're the top dog and people like to talk shit. And you see uh, on Twitter constantly, there is a lot of, you know, certain journalists that shall remain nameless that are berating the UFC because they are uh, uh, so bullish about continuing to put on events. Now, of course, it's great for the fighters, but they're saying it uh, proposes a risk. Now, of course, you just had an event last night. So what would you say to that? 
what would your answers be to those people that are saying that you're somewhat irresponsible? By the way, I don't agree with them. I, 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 I love what you're doing. I love what the UFC are doing for the record. But what would you say to those people? Okay, in large part, I wanted to argue with those people because if they were talking about that anything in life, they'll, they'll get you in life with anything. A brick's going to fall on your head. And in all fairness, they're right. Bricks do fall. I mean, it, but we're also not wrong to say, look, somebody else sets the rules. We respect the rules. We respect the ordinances and we follow them completely. It is also a volunteer army, Michael. Nobody is pressured in to coming out and moving forward. But there's a, it seems as though the world right now is in two places. Stop and go. Red light, green light. I would suggest for you, we're going to have to come together on that. Okay. The world is not going to come to an end. We're all not going to freeze and we're all not going to starve. We are going to have to find a way. So stop between red and go. No, there's more ways to do it. I do agree that it is safety first. I think that those arguments and suggestions are very fair, but to act as though that there isn't safe ways to do it, or at least safest, safer, most safe ways to do it. Look, I can't solve the world's problems, but I think that I make a good argument that we're going to have to find another way. Hey, anytime two people step into an octagon, almost naked in their underpants, they're trying to <laughs> essentially beat each other into unconsciousness. It's not the safest thing to do. Sorry, Lewis, I just had to get that in there. You had a question. No, 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 it's okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think that there is a way to sort of get this done in a, in a safe way, or at the very least, the safest way. What do you... What do you think about this? Because I think that there's real value in creating content. And I think that there are people that watch, you know, mixed martial arts or other sports for that matter, and they're inspired by it. And, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a way to sort of help them get through sort of a depressed time or a dark time. Even I know po- on a smaller level podcast, we get emails from people all the time how much this means for us to, you know, or, or how much it means to them that we put stuff out like this. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? How much value do you think the sport in general sort of holds um, versus the safety risk that it imposes to have four guys in a room trying to fight? And I think that the, I interpret the message to be a little bit different, right? I, I understand the sport. I love the sport. I'm passionate about it. But I don't look at it as though we're doing sport. I don't even look at it as though we're contesting the world championship. But we're talking about Khabib and Tony. I think we're talking. That's not how I look at it. I look at the message as we move forward. As human beings, we can only do three things. We can move forward. Those are the people I respect. We can stay in the cracks or we can fall behind and, and then use an excuse for the rest of our lives. We can turn into alcoholics and drug addicts, but point to the day in football where we dropped, uh, we dropped the ball in the middle of the big game and everybody teases us. I mean, I know people that have done similar things to that where their lives haven't turned out, but they can tell you, well, yeah, it didn't turn out, but my father died when I was 15 and I, I, I was left to raise my family. Look at what happened to me. I just, I just heard these things by example. I don't like that. I think that the world, I think time goes in one direction, which is forward. I think you have to find a way to move forward. I acknowledge that there's challenges, but I think any leader of anything, and again, I don't see this about the punches and the kicks. I see this as a leadership message that the world is moving that way and you can come with it or you don't have to, but these are your two choices and the ship is leaving now. That's how I look at it. By the way, I got to ask you guys something. When I was, we were talking COVID-19, and then we tried to get off that topic, but I think it's relevant right now. When I was in school, we had a kid who, on graduation day, was brought in front of all of his peers, the school and this huge building and the principals and superintendents. I graduated high school in 1995. I still remember this guy because he was given an award, and his award was for perfect attendance from kindergarten when they started keeping track until graduation day. He never missed a day of school. And one of the things that the principal patted him on the back for, and I've looked at this guy differently ever since, is that even on the days he was sick, he showed up for school. We awarded that guy in front of our class. And now many people are saying, if anybody has anything wrong, then they need to be ostracized from society. I don't like that message personally. And I know we can go around and around. I can just tell you, a guy in my class was recognized had it on the back, given an award, and remembered by me to this day that whether he felt like it or not, he got up and went to class. Something I can tell you, I did not do. I was envious the day he got it, and I thought, man, I wish I was a little tougher on those days I didn't feel good. There's two sides of it is all I'm sharing. Yeah, no, there's there's always two sides to every single story. And whilst uh, I understand what you're saying, that that guy made an impression on you, for me, uh, in England, we call it skiving school. If you ever pretend, you call it playing truant, right? Or is that what you call it? Being truly hooky. 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 Okay. Hooky. In England, in, in England, you call it skiving, right? Okay. And I never skived simply because my dad would have seriously beat the shit out of me. And I'm not talking a little clip around the head. I'm talking 
the fucking belt, the buckle, the fucking garden cane, you name it, it would have came my way. So I never skived off school. So maybe this guy, he's getting all the credit for going to school every day. Maybe his parents were deadbeats. Maybe they're alcoholics <laughs> and like, you are going to school. I don't care how sick you are. Get out of this house. It's the only way you get a free meal. So, you know, there's always two sides to every story, Chael. I never <laughs> considered it. He might be a victim here. I never considered, you know, I have a hooky story. In my house, we had a lot of rules too, but you had your really big rules. Absolutely no breaking them. And one of us was you cannot, don't ever skip school. Now, you could stay home if you were sick. I'm talking about mm, skipping school, yeah, telling your same. parents you're going to school and going somewhere else. Totally different. And I skipped school. One day, my whole life, it was only one class. I went to Blockbuster with my buddy Jeff Williams. We rented a DVD, a VHS rather. And it was something called the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Oh, so we go awesome. to Jeff's house. We put it in. We watch it. It's this tournament. There's this little skinny guy named Hoist Gracie. Uh, you know, you got all up. The, you got the the sumo wrestler Ken Shamrock was UFC number one. I go home. I wrap myself out. I said, Dad, I've never done this. But I did it. I skipped class. He looked at me and didn't say a word. I said, I went down to the video store with Jeff Williams. We got this DVD or VHS. I need you to see it, but I figured out today what I want to do with my life. I never got in trouble. I never got in trouble my because I, I told the lesson in it, which is I figured out today what it is I want to do. My let my dad let me slide. Well, it turns out that was probably one of the best things for you to see, right? You know what I mean? Because look at the trajectory. Uh, real fast before we move on, what are you doing with yourselves right now? It's two children you have, right, Chael? Yes, two? thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for so, asking. So, so you guys are at happy. home every day. How are you filling your time? They couldn't be happy. I'm bored to death. Now, I've been watching a lot of movies. I happen to really like movies, so that's okay. But you can only do so. I like chocolate cake, Michael. I don't want to eat it nonstop for 39 days. I mean, I could tell you, my kids could not be happier. We got both parents at home. We're playing games nonstop. I had to race cars with my son earlier today, which consists of him pushing a bunch of cars in a straight line, and whichever one gets closer to the wall, I have to award the champion. Uh, but I'm just, you know, we're playing, we're playing around. We're having, a, we're having a lot of fun. My whole neighborhood is kind of home and I don't know a lot of my neighbors. Like they pull into their garage. You never see them. You live next to them for years. So everybody's outside cause the weather's nice and we're all home. So now we're meeting each other. Even if it's from across the street, yell, Hey, I'm so-and-so I live right here. I'm so-and-so and I live here. Michael, I got to talk to you about something. I'm so worried. You're not going to bring this up. I have to talk to you about something. Is now a good Please. time? Yeah, okay. 100%. I mean, it depends what you're going to ask me, you know what <laughs> I mean? But, but for the most part, now is a great time. Okay, there's a reporter that I actually met through you. There's a reporter named Samara Khan. I know who she is because you sent a tweet out about some baseball player, Audrey Huff. Am I close? I, I have no idea. I am the last person to speak about regarding baseball. Fair enough. This is how I learn about her. Well, it turns out she's an expert in three things. Everything Muslim, everything combat, and everything politics. This is like her subject. So as it carries over to Khabib versus Tony, and I know we're hearing different things. This is on and this is off and it's not going to happen. She made a statement a, a while back where she was just saying, look, I think a place to hold this fight would be Chechnya. And the leaders of Chechnya also want to hold the fight. Now, store that away. But then all of a sudden, Khabib gets on an airplane. Because the big question that you and I and everybody else is just trying to solve is just, where are we going to do the fight? We get who's going to do it. We get the weight class. We get the day. Where? So she brings up this Chechnya thing. Then all of a sudden, the president of Chechnya hears that she said it. He puts out a statement, tells her, great idea, Samara. I will host the fight. Thank you very much. And I'm going, wait a minute. I heard about this from Michael Bisping, retweeted, the whole thing turned really small world, right? But Hold on, hold on. Are you saying that I'm responsible for UFC 249 taking place? In some ways, you could be, <laughs> particularly if it ends up on that side of the world. And it just, you, Samara, myself, everybody. But then right after she says this, Michael, Khabib gets on an airplane and he flies to Russia. And I'm going, oh my God, she must have it right. This must be exactly where this fight's going to be. Now, it looks like, no, Khabib just went to Russia. Now he can't get out. But I'm just saying, for a little bit there, I thought the four of us had solved, a, a, had solved something. Yeah, well, I mean, you do. are you familiar with the president of Chechnya? I've heard some very, very dodgy things. I've heard a lot of people, when they go there, they get a lot of shit for taking money from this guy. I don't know too much about it, but I'm hearing war crimes. I'm hearing innocent people being murdered, uh, things like that. 
But if UFC 249 wants to continue to take place there and I get credit for it, maybe chuck me a little financial windfall. I'm all for it. Lewis, what have you got? Well, I'll say if they, uh, I will, I will, you know, say they should be forgiven of any war crimes if they can hold <laughs> UFC 249. <laughs> all, is, all is forgiven. For- <laughs> um, and I'll tell you, I don't know a damn thing about any of that. All I know is we're looking for somewhere to hold the event. Yeah, I mean, so uh, do you not subscribe to the idea that Khabib is completely out? Because I've heard he said on Instagram Live that he's it's going to go on with or without him and he's not going to be there. Um, but then some another website reported that that might be fake news. What have you heard and what do you think is going on right now? I've heard different things. I mean, let's start with where I heard it first, which was on a social media post that the great Ariel Hawani put out. Now, Ariel does not put anything out that could ever bring back egg on his face. It's not to say he hasn't got one wrong before. I'm just sharing with you. He will check, double check, and triple check before he puts his name on it. He says Khabib's not going to be able to participate. Now, if Khabib cannot participate simply because he can't get out of Russia, that I would be very, very uh, bullish, uh, bearish on. And the reason for that is he has a personal relationship with the president of Russia. I believe that Khabib could leave. And by the way, the president of Russia also happens to love the UFC. So I, I'm a little bit light if that's the detail that Khabib is just locked down and governmental officials won't let him out. That would be a surprise to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree, especially considering, yeah, yeah, listen, Putin loves the UFC. He knows the size. Well, he loves mixed martial arts, whether it's Pride, Fedor, or Emelianenko, and he loves his, his own people to do well and represent Russia, Dagestan, the provinces. So, yeah, I'm sure a little bit of red tape, they could get a private jet and fly him to wherever needs to be. So I don't really see that being an issue. But um, if that fight does take place, how do you break that down, Chael? I think it's a really interesting fight. Look, the, the wrestling of Khabib is greatly embellished. That's not to say he's not an amazing wrestler. When I say it's embellished, Khabib has a, a, a tremendous skill, Michael, which is when he has somebody's back against the fence, he's taking you to the ground. If you can stay in the open, he's not as quite as effective. I mean, people have made believe that he can just take anyone down. It's actually not true. If you break him down a little closer, and maybe you'll even remember, but uh, his fight with Ally Aquinta. Al was I was able just to- going to say, Ally Aquinta circled around. Sure. And every time he would get in on the single leg, then he would just kick out. He would limp leg, kick out. And he was away. And a single leg is his main go-to offense in the open. A single leg's kind of tough in MMA. It proposes a question. Do you have my leg or do I have both of your hands? And that that seems to be a problem. If you're a guy with a little bit of balance, you're hitting a guy that's, I mean, it's a little bit of a question. Now, if Khabib can push you against the fence, Khabib can get on top. Once he's on top, Michael, this guy will maul. I mean, this is a guy that can posture, pound, and pass at the same time. You and I came through an era where these are three steps, posture, pound, pat, but they're three different steps. He's finding a way to posture, pound, wall, passing. It is, it is really incredible what he does. Then the lockdowns and the entrapments he does with the legs. I mean, he's very innovative with his ground and pound. The problem is when you're taking on Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson has a national championship in wrestling, and whether he chooses to go out and use that or not, that's only because he also has a black belt in jiu-jitsu and loves to be on his back. And when you're talking about a guy who's innovative, Tony Ferguson will look to submit you from his back. He'll also look to knock you out. Tony Ferguson has finished fights from his back by cutting guys open with elbows. I'm just saying, Khabib is rare on top, but Tony's a different animal on bottom. Right Guard recently sent me some of their extreme antiperspirants and aluminum-free deodorant. And I got to tell you, I'm a fan of both. Right Guard formulas are designed to defend against sweat, odor, and stains with up to 72 hours of protection. The Right Guard research team has stepped up to the plate to help prevent yellow stains by finding a way to protect from stains without lowering the levels of antiperspirant protection. Gone are the days when you have to choose between a fresh feeling and a yellow pit stain throughout the entire antiperspirant line. Get it all, guys. The sweat and odor protection you expect while fighting yellow stains. And if you want to go aluminum-free, Right Guard's Extreme Aluminum-Free Deodorants also have odor defense technology to give you protection for up to three days, eliminating, immediately targeting odor and neutralizing it, resulting in long-lasting protection from odor, keeping you smelling fresh for days. 
Right Guard's extreme aluminum-free deodorants are not only free of aluminum, but they're also free of alcohol, talc, and parabens. Right Guard antiperspirants and aluminum-free deodorant don't feel greasy or sticky. They go on smooth and they last. Try Right Guard today. You know, at this point, I'm not sure. We're talking about the fight like it could happen. It seems like it probably isn't going to happen. If you're Tony, you've been training for this fight. This is the fight. I think this will be the fifth time now that it does get canceled. If it does get canceled, what do you do? What do you do here? You find out that Khabib isn't going to fight. What is the decision that you make? Do you take another opponent? Do you wait? Well, Tony, hold on, hold on. Let me one up that because a lot of people, uh, I apologize, Lewis, a lot of people on Instagram now are saying, uh, sorry, on Twitter, which is ridiculous, by the way. They're saying, oh, Khabib knew this. He went off to Russia on purpose. He's hiding from Tony. He wants easy matchups. I mean, those theories are just absolutely ridiculous. But I will say this. This does open a door, potentially, for Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. I mean, how do you see this all playing out? If you were a gambling man, what fight do you think happens? Well, I would say Justin Gaethje. I would only say that Connor is so big and Connor can drive such a bargain at the gate and he would do so much media on short notes. I just don't know that I would pull the Connor card uh, on this short notes. Michael, you and I were part of his fight with Donald Cerrone and we got to see firsthand the way Vegas lit up, the way Ireland flew in for this guy. Connor mania is a very real thing. I've denied it for a few years. I didn't really know. Connor Mania is a very real thing. If you can have a press tour, if you can sell out arenas the way that Connor and Floyd did with no chance of a fight even breaking out on a weekday in the afternoon on a sunny day, I mean, there is something very special. Give yourself a little breathing room because if you're just looking to find an interim championship, and that's what this would be if Khabib is out, it would be for an interim championship. Bringing Justin Gaethje to the table, I think, solves all of the problems in the short term. And then you do have to figure out what do we do with. Connor and Khabib and Tony, should he win? Justin, should he get the upset? I think that that's interesting. But I think Lewis asked me a question of who fills in if Khabib is out. That's yes. what I think I heard. And I think the answer would be Justin Gaethje. Well, really, even more so, not just who fills in, but would you want to do that if you were Tony? Because in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way this lasts forever. Dana's pushing to make fights happen now. They're going to adjust, right? Even if, it, if, even if it's the, the darkest time in society and we can't get together in groups for, for you know, the next six months to a year, the UFC will figure out a way to persevere. Where there's a will, there's a way. They'll figure out a way for fights to happen. And if Tony sits out and just says, hey, you know what, dude? Fuck this. I'm going to wait a month. I want this fight. I deserve this fight. Um, I think that, that that's very fair. Um, if you're Tony, do you take that Gaethje fight? Okay, so I'll tell you this, and Michael, maybe it'd be helpful if we had Samara Khan on here. I told you she knows everything political, combat, and Muslim. Don't forget the Muslim part because Khabib has already disclosed to us after this fight with Tony, he goes into Ramadan. I don't know the dates of that. I just know that that concludes in September. So, Lewis, the only reason I bring that up, this might be, I don't know if we have a month. If you want Khabib's for participation, I'd have to know when Ramadan start to finish was. I don't know that we have the month in all fairness. Look, Tony has a couple of ways to look at this. Is this a letdown? You bet your ass it is. Anything that goes up in life, though, has to come down. Let's look at another perspective. Tony's ready for five rounds. Justin Gaethje is not. Whoever the opponent is does not have time. Tony is given, at least competitively speaking, a leg up. Emotionally, yeah, this is a blow. Physically, he's in a good spot. So if we look at the facts, we've got Khabib that is now trapped in Russia, that we're saying potentially Vladimir Putin is going to go against all the regulations that he's put in place. He's going to cut the red tape and potentially fly Khabib on a private jet out of there to wherever the location is for the fight. There's a potential that he's not willing to do that because it undermines everything that he said. So let's just for the record assume or for the conversation that Khabib is out. You've got Justin Gagey that Gagey said he was kind of training because Obviously, the fight had fallen out four times before, and it may fall out of fifth, which it may have done. So, therefore, he's training. So, therefore, he's in shape. And your point, what you said before about Conor McGregor, you're absolutely right. To capitalize on the star, the magnitude of the star, which is Conor, you want that time. You want that buildup. you got to remember, there's nothing for people to watch on TV right now when it comes to sports. People are watching live streaming of marbles on YouTube that's getting half a million goddamn viewers. If you stick Conor McGregor, who's already the pay-per-view king, when people have nothing to watch, granted, yes, you want the, you know, you, you want the whole circus, you want the parade, you want the tour, you want all that stuff. But my God, his name alone, if you give it 
two weeks. We've still got just under three weeks until he fights. That's plenty of time to promote a fight. And also, you know, just just to throw in there a fact, uh, Ramadan starts April 23rd, ends May 23rd. Uh, so it's one month uh, that you have right there. Thank you. I think I said September. I Thank you for correcting me on that. L- listen, Michael, if you think you've got a pushback or an argument from me, and allow me to speak for Lewis, too, that Conor McGregor would do a great job and we would all be pining to sit. You do not have a pushback. Yeah. I'm just trying <laughs> to guess with the with the pieces that Dana White has that I even know he has, I'm thinking he would probably hold that Connor piece back. That's my prediction. If you're thinking that you're getting an argument that Connor versus Tony would just cheer all of us up, give the whole world something to look forward to and be an amazing thing. No one's arguing with you, Michael. And, and let's remember, I mean, this this past weekend in Columbus, there was uh, Jarzinho Rosenstreet taking on Engano. You could throw that on there. There was a ton, ton of great fights happening on that card. Off the top of my head right now, I, I forget what a lot of them were. But you're right. They don't need to use the Trump card, which is Conor McGregor. They don't need to use that because there's so many fights that were supposed to take place that haven't happened. And there's fighters just sitting around in shape, itching to fight and itching to get paid. Yeah. No, I fully, I fully agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of good options right now. I will contend for you. If you have any question, any, any question that involves 155 pounds without even hearing the question, the answer is Justin Gaethje. Any question, Justin Gaethje solves every problem. <laughs> yeah, and he's the guy that's been very vocal for the longest time, talking shit about Conor McGregor, talking crap about the UFC, saying that he would even punch Dana White, of course, just hyperbole, just throwing it out there, trying to get headlines. I don't think he's going to assault the boss anytime soon. You've got Dustin Poirier that came out this morning on Twitter saying, put me in, coach. So, yeah, listen, there is there's many, many avenues. Shell, you're the man. That was awesome. We're going to do this again. You guys are awesome. Good luck with the show, with the submission underground. Lewis has his hand up at the back. No, just saying goodbye, Chell. See you, fellas. Take care, bud. So, guys, here's the big question. Who in the world has the balls to take betting action on professional wrestling? There's only one answer to that question. It's Dave Mason and the good folks at betonline.ag. By the way, go get yourself a free account. Go have a little bit of fun. And speaking of Dave Mason and speaking of WrestleMania, I happen to be joined by my old friend Dave Mason. Dave, what are you thinking? (laughs) Well, we're lucky enough to have a guy here. You know, I don't know much about the wrestling anymore, but we have a guy here that, that lives and breathes it. So he, he, about a year ago, he says, you know, I want to put up wrestling odds and all these events. It's like, sure, go for it. And he does a good job with it, man. He's And he's up in his game now that, you know, so much of the sports world is on the back burners. He's put more and more stuff up, like, you know, Raw and all this other stuff, all these events that this take place during the week. He puts up odds on those, too. So he's really good at it, man. Hats off to him. But, you know... We do keep the uh, the the, the uh, limits a little lower than, you know, whereas we might take $50,000 on an NFL game. We're going nowhere near that high on something like wrestling. So, All right, well, let's go through a couple. I mean, let's start right at the top. Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. How are you guys seeing it? Oh, boy. Gold, they, those, those odds are down now, aren't they? I mean, I, I don't even see this on the site. I think they're – I think – I believe they're down. Let, let me check that one real quick. Well, you know what? You know what? While you're checking, I'll just throw another one at you because I'll tell you this one's got to be on there somewhere. I'm talking about Bray Wyatt taking on John Cena. Yeah, Cena. That one's definitely on here. Uh, Cena's plus three hundred underdog. So the other side's a minus five hundred favorite. So Cena's not really expected to win that one. So. We'll see. And Dave, by the way, just so you don't think you had something out of order there, you didn't. What's happening is Dave Meltzer, who is one of the bigger professional wrestling newsbreakers and insiders of all time, in fairness to Dave, does a great job. He is predicting that on Monday Night Raw, between right now and WrestleMania, he's predicting the announcement of Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. So I think I might have ruined the script on that one, but... Let me back up a second. So who are you telling me was going to win, Cena or Bray Wyatt? Hey, man, you know, I'm not the best wrestling (laughs) handicapper. I try to stick with stuff I know, like your sport, MMA. But I'm going John Cena with the underdog. That might be a square play, but I I, plus 300 with John Cena, why not? Take a shot. I'll tell you, I think that that's as good of a bet. It's a little bit of a pick in my opinion. 
Bray Wyatt is amongst the greatest characters in wrestling history. Now, I can't say that about Cena. I can say that Cena is amongst the greatest wrestlers and amongst the greatest stars, but not the characters. His character is a little bit straightforward. Bray Wyatt, from what he used to do to what he's transitioned to now, I would put him right up there with the Ted DiBiase's of the world. I think it is a, the wow. Harley races of the world. I think it is a very small pool of talent that can do what Bray does. But that's still John Cena. If I had to make a bet, I'm going with you, particularly if you're telling me I can get uh, good odds on that. I'm taking Cena as well. Three to one, man. Hundred dollar bet. Profits three hundred bucks. Why not? All right. So you also have the Undertaker, who at one point was twenty-one and zero in WrestleManias. Now yeah. that O eventually went to Brock Lesnar, and once somebody broke that, it was like the five-minute mile. As soon as somebody could beat it, then you never really know what's going to happen. But he's taken on AJ Styles in what's being called a boneyard match or something close enough, but the bottom line is there's a way to win, there's a way to lose. Who do you got? Undertaker's heavy chalk there, minus 400. (laughs) So, uh, you know, AJ Styles, take back on that is plus 250. So he's the dog right there. I mean... You said it yourself with those stats on uh, Undertaker during WrestleMania. So why why not why not bet him even though he had to lay lay four to one odds? I mean, it's hard to bet against him at WrestleMania. All right, so you've already shown your hand and that you love MMA much as I do. So I probably already know your prediction, but I still want to hear you say it along with the odds. And of course, I'm talking about the former champion of the world, Brock Lesnar. He's taken on McIntyre, who's coming off a huge win after the Royal Rumble. I mean, there's something to be said for a push, right? There's something to be said for momentum and getting a new face out there, which I think people have to consider. If you're wondering which way Vince is going to go, and ultimately that's all that we're betting here. All we're betting is what does Vince want to do? I think you have to give a look at McIntyre. Yeah, you know, I I was talking about this with with my uh, wrestling guy here the other day, and uh he he's all over McIntyre. I was a little bit of a surprise with those odds. McIntyre's minus three fifty, whereas Brock is the plus two twenty five underdog. I am an MMA guy, but uh, after listening to my guy, he he likes laying that chalk. Drew McIntyre, so minus three fifty. Why not? All right. If anybody wants to have some fun, you know where to have it. You heard what Dave and I said, and frankly, Dave and I didn't give you guys a whole lot of opinion. We just let you know where to go to voice your opinion, and that, of course, is Bet Online. Dot .ag free account Dave I'm not letting you go just yet hey man can we talk a little bit between us Khabib and Tony what is going on here I'm not getting any confirmation the greats all the way to Ariel Hawani are saying that Khabib cannot participate because he chose to go home to Russia and he can't get out to Russia I'm not hearing that that's absolutely confirmed do you know anything no, I mean, I, you know, I, I woke up this morning and I, I checked out one of the first tweets I saw was Ariel's uh, tweet as well. My heart just sunk, but I, I'm not surprised though with everything else that's going in the sports world last few weeks. Um, I mean, you know, there's rumors that Justin Gagey will be the uh, replacement. We already have odds up on Ferguson versus Gagey. We have Ferguson minus 170 favorite take back on Gagey's plus 145. I mean, that will be a hell of a replacement fight. I, of course, you want to see Khabib Al Kakui, but you know if there's going to be a replacement fight, I, I can't think of a better fill in than Gagey. So that that would be at it'd probably be a more entertaining fight to tell you the truth. I mean Gagey and Ferguson standing up, thrown down. I mean that would be one hell of a fight. So it'd be hell of a consolation prize. I fully agree with you, but I feel like we're I feel like even if we've identified the players, let's just say it's not Khabib. Let's say that we're right that it's uh, going to be Ferguson. It's going to be. Uh, Justin, aren't we still left with the same problem that we had five days ago, which is where are we going to do it? I mean, Dave, yeah. that's ultimately been the problem from day one. Where are we going to do it? Yeah, we actually had odds on that last week. Where's 249 going to take place? I mean, Florida was the favorite. We had uh, Arab Emirates. We had Saudi Arabia. We had we even had Area 51 in North Korea, and they're just for the hell of it. And uh, and uh, yeah, that that's 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 the question. I mean, Dane is adamant, man. And you know, 
he, he's a bulldog, so he's adamant that this fight's going to go down. So who knows, maybe an aircraft carrier in the middle of international waters. But uh, I, I hope it goes down. I mean, as long as everybody's safe and they take all the proper uh, measures and precautions. Because, I mean, you know, we needed as sports fans a little bit of relief. They had that card a couple of weeks ago after all the NBA March Madness stuff went down. And, you know, it was just good to escape for two, three hours and watch some real sports and competition. So we're, we're rooting for it as long as it's all safe. We will have the odds up ready to rock. Yeah, and I'll tell you where I got off on this one. Look, here was the pieces that I had. Again, I'm going back. This is days ago. But days ago, the pieces that I had were that all we were, we had the date, April 18th. We had the two guys. We understand it's for the world championship. We got it all. We just didn't know where. So when Uh. Khabib gets on a plane from America and returns to Russia, I took that as a clue. I thought, well, if anybody kind of has a little inside info of which way the wind is blowing, it's going to be one of the principal participants. So if Khabib is going to Russia, he's now letting us all know it's going to be somewhere on that side of the world. And then, of course, the lockdown that Putin enforces. and, And now here we are. I guess I read the clues wrong. Yeah, and I don't blame you for reading those clues. I mean, I, I thought Russia was definitely a possibility, but I, 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 on the flip side, okay, it makes sense for Habib, but how's everybody else going to get over there? I mean, I guess you could just load it with Russian fighters or whatever. You know, the Russians, man, they're, they're moving forward with everything. I mean, there's a, a lot of sports are dead right now, but there's, there's Russian hockey going on, Russian basketball. Ping pong, man. We put ping pong on the site two weeks ago, and Russian ping pong is getting more action than anything. Actually, it's called table tennis, but I keep calling it ping pong. But it's it's amazing. So that the t- read the tea leaves there. It's like you know, I, I'm sure they'd love to have that event in Russia. You know, ping pong than UFC. But uh, I, I don't know if a lot of fighters can get into that country. So it's a crazy problem, man. I, I can just picture Dana White trying to figure this one out. Well, Dave, you bring up an interesting point, which is how are you going to load up a card? So let me ask you uh, the other side of the coin. Do you need to? Do you really need to load up a card? Do we need to have 10 supporting nah. matches when all we really want to know is who the champion of the world is? I, I mean, I'm just, just asking you, and I realize this is a little contrary to what we've seen before, but all of the world is contrary to what we've seen before. Couldn't we get away and wouldn't we all leave happy with setting the damn thing up, bringing in all the lights, the cameras, the action, and just having that title fight? Yeah, I mean, I would, um, you know, I, when I when I heard they were moving forward that I, you know, I told my buddy here, our MMA guys, like, you know what, they'll just, they'll just do an awesome main card and that's it. And then you heard Dana saying it's going to be a full card. And I was just thinking, logistically, just how is that possible with closed borders and you know it's such an international sport now that's why we made florida that we made florida the favorite as the place where it's going to take place because florida came kind of made a lot of sense whether it be it on an indian reservation down there or there's just so many dang flight fighters in 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 in, in the miami or you know uh what do we call it? southern florida and and I, with ATT there, I, I thought it'd just be make so much sense that Florida could be a destination. This everybody could just drive to the damn thing and said limit the people on the planes and airports, even private jets, etc. So I, I don't know. We'll see, man. I, I hope it goes off. Um, but it, that yeah, that that news this morning very disappointing. Yep, I agree. All right, Dave. Well, I am looking forward to WrestleMania. I appreciate you keeping the sports world alive. Very cool of you guys to do it. I know that's a risky move, but you guys are risk takers, and I appreciate. I'll talk to you soon, Dave. Thanks, sir. See you, pal. Hi, Chael. It's Dominique Mochianu here. I wanted to ask you your opinion about the postponement of the 2020 Olympic Games. We certainly don't have a lot of answers right now, but I know you are an Olympic buff and enjoy the Olympics as much as my husband and I do. So what are your thoughts on the postponement? I know that it has a dramatic effect on athletes. Uh, from year to year. So one year of delay certainly will impact many athletes, some positively, some maybe negatively, but we know this decision had to be made and it was the right one. But I'm curious of what your thoughts are and especially for those athletes that are considering retirement and if they're going to stick around another year, what does that really mean for them as well? So let me know your thoughts. Don, first off, thank you for the question. Great to see you. And let me tell you, this is good news. Please don't let anybody interpret this negatively. This, is, this isn't just good news, Dom. This is great news. Look, let me take you back just so we have a frame of reference to 1980, okay? The Olympic trials in every sport were contested. The team in every sport was set. President Carter at that time steps in, 
The games were to be in Moscow. He's got a political beef with Moscow, with Russia at the time and says the U.S. is going to boycott. Now, the only ones that got hurt in that whole thing, Carter did not gain any esteem. The only ones that got hurt were those athletes that put their life on hold, who had sacrificed and whose dream had come true. They were already through the trials. Dominic, are you ready for that? They were through the, they made it. It was done. Final preparation. Let's go off and compete. Okay. The reason I bring that up is this is greatly different. Nobody, nothing's been taken away yet because of the word postponed. I had a tremendous fear that the IOC was going to come in and go, well, you know, guys, we do this every four years, and that's a tradition that we've had from the beginning. And if we, if we can't do it on this year, which is a fourth year, then we're just going to kick the can to 2024. That was my thought and belief of ultimately what they were going to do. And this was not the IOC's call, ultimately. This was the prime minister of Japan's call. Okay, Abe made this call and let the IOC know. Now, the IOC could not scramble in this short of a period of time and find a whole new host and a whole new location. Good news part, though. They did not cancel the Olympics, and that's what everybody thought they were going to do. It's going to be yes or no, red light or green light. They said we're going to postpone it. As a matter of fact, we're going to do it at the exact same time. We're just going to do it in 2021. Same location, same start date for the opening ceremonies. I'm sure that'll be changed by one day so that it falls on the correct day. Same thing with the completion date. So now what we have to do, the USOC, this is now a property, the trials is a property of the USOC to decide, okay, when do we want to put our Olympic teams together? Now, I hear what a lot of athletes are saying, but don't forget, Dom, these are young athletes, and you and I were young athletes at one point. A year at that time is never going to come. A year is so far away, yet that's what we think about each Olympics as well. Remember the remember when you were competing in the Olympics? That was called two days ago. Remember when Paul Hahn came out of nowhere and it goes from out of contention and wins the all-around gold? That was yesterday, also known as 2008, all I'm sharing. You and I know as adults now, a year's not that much time. As a matter of fact, if you use a year wisely, if you're the number one person and you know you're on top, that's the person that's the most nervous. The number three guy, the number two, the number five? realizes, wait a minute, I got 12 months. This is a mental exercise now, not a physical. And one thing that you and I know about sport, Don, yes, it does come into how hard do you work and how hard did you sacrifice and how much did you listen to your coaches and how good are your skills? We do know that, but we also know one more thing, which is sport at this level largely does come down. If you're talking about the pie, one good sized piece of it is who can hang in there the longest? Who can hang in there longer than the other guy. So if you've got top athletes, maybe even the person that was going to, men and women that were going to be the representative, if they think that this is about physicality, they need to understand this is now a mental exercise. And the part about whoever can hang in there the longest is going to be very relevant. Now, I think we need to ask ourselves a little bit different question, Dom. Now that we understand that the games are going to happen, they're just going to happen 12 months later, let's go back to the trials process. Do we now want to wait one year in each sport Governing body is going to get to choose this. Do we want to wait one year and hold the trials then, or do we want to get out there and get these teams established early? Do we want to use this as an opportunity to actually establish every single team, get those athletes together, get them training together, get them on training measurements, figure out who we're going to bring in, who we're going to send out, figure out what their weight are, what their sleep patterns. Do we want to use this as an opportunity? I think that I would prefer. I think that I would prefer a little bit of a balance. The sooner that we can get our official team in each sport together, get them together, get them bonding, get them on the same page, get them working with their specific coaches, I think is a positive. I would also share with you, I don't like the idea of, say, we hold the trials and everything. Broad example. Say we hold the trials in 30 days. I don't know that I like the idea of then keeping everybody else out. That would be very cool to have the teams and the coaches that are going to go on to win the medals, but we want to make sure we provide opportunity for as much people as we can. And opportunity just isn't about going to the Olympics. Yes, that would be the pinnacle. That would be the great moment. Opportunity also consists of having a dream. Opportunity also consists of having something to aspire to. So I would just share with you, as we start to break down when we're going to do the trials, we know when the games are, now the question is when are the trials? I'd like to see a medium balance in there. 
I don't know that it needs to be, I don't know that the trials have to be held three months before and then we make believe these people from all over are a team because we brought them together and gave them a similar uniform. I also don't know that we need to dash everybody else's motivation by holding the trials immediately just to protect and preserve the ideal that the longer the team can be together, the better. That is a very elitist bunch, but with that elitist feeling can cause some hard feelings throughout the ranks. I think there needs to be a balance there. I will tell you though, I give you a very long answer to a very short question, but girl, this is good news. They could have canned and bagged the whole thing. They didn't. IOC gets credit for this. Postponement was the responsible decision. All right, guys, I've had it with you, but I'll be back on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Thanks for listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. A&E and Podcast One present PD Stories with Tom Morris Jr. Join Tom every Tuesday as he takes us behind the badge and walks a mile in an officer's shoes. The minute I got into law enforcement, I said, I want to find people that don't want to be found. There were people running across the bridge to get out of the city. From the World Trade Center. Yes. Our job is to also be a vanguard for communities of color. Get new episodes of PD Stories every Tuesday on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts.